Coming to you live from the metaverse, this is DGS on DHP. Actually, I'm not really in the metaverse, but uh, David Fisher said he was going to teach a class on the metaverse. Um, David is one of our elders, if you didn't know. He ended up teaching a class on digital life. And I think you're going to find this helpful. I think particularly following up from the good conversations that we had uh, like last year with Anthony Locke and Kyle Jensen on video games. Here's a broader conversation on digital life, how we should think about our digital life as Christians. This was part of the bioethics class that David helped head up over the summer. Uh, We recorded this uh, late October, early November. I don't remember, but I think you're going to love it. David Fisher, welcome back to the Disciple Henson Podcast. We're here at my living room table with Mark Widgery, Josh Conwell. Josh is eating some ice cream. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark just enjoyed some, mm-hmm. as did you. I did. Uh, we're we're going to get right after it because youth group is over in 11 minutes and you have a daughter there. Um, you just recently taught a class on bioethics and one of the topics covered was digital life. You first advertised it as the metaverse. I did. Let's let's talk about digital life. Let's get right after it. David, in the past, we had Anthony Locke and Kyle Jensen on here to talk about video games. We were in the class, you were seeking to lay a more broad vision for how we should interact with digital life. Yeah. What kind of cautions would you give to the pull of the pull that our mobile devices and social media can have on us, uh, particularly as Christians? What should what should we be aware of? Yeah. Uh, two cautions. One was about uh, social networks and mobile devices just opening us up to a temptation. And the second was around the uh, the way that digital community is is different than biblical community and sometimes can erode <clears throat> erode biblical community. Uh, one thing I didn't talk about a lot in the class was all of the benefits that we that we have as you know in a modern society of, you being able to use mobile devices, being able to connect with people, being able to talk, you know, with your grandmother, say, you know, face to face over FaceTime or something mm-hmm. across the country when otherwise you might not have ever been able to talk with her or, or see her or and and so there's so many benefits. Uh, but what I wanted to explore in the class was thinking scripturally about the cost and thinking, thinking scripturally about, um, yeah, just about what does scripture say about what community ought to look like, how do social media and mobile devices affect that, and then thinking about uh, some of the temptations that that opens up opens us up to in a in a critical way. One of the things that you talked about in the class was the addictive nature um, of so many of the things in the digital sphere um, of our phones, of our devices, of social media. <clears throat> What, um, how, how should we be thinking about that? It's, it's like kind of a, a respectable addiction, right? It's not like drugs or alcohol. Um, but should we be concerned about how our devices can pull us in uh, so regularly? If we're checking our phone, uh, what, what did you say the average is for how many times people check their phones? It's a lot Yeah. Mm-hmm. on average. Should that concern us as Christians? Yeah, so a couple thoughts on that. I think um, we've probably all had a situation, right, where we were trying to talk to somebody and they were consumed with a device, whether it's a kid or a parent or, you know, I, I remember with my family, uh, you know, we, we would, uh, my wife's family would regularly gather at Christmas. 
And, um, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it, you know, there weren't a lot of people kind of locked into screens. You know, the, the, the sort of the most is maybe they had a football game on the background or something. And, mm-hmm. and folks are mostly engaging conversation. 15 years later, same family gathering, you know, and and folks are are often just locked into screens, sitting on the couches, just all around each other in their own little worlds. Um, I have a why is that concerning? Yeah, I think so. So there's a couple elements, right? So one is what's the effect that that has on community? Is it drawing you away from from relationships or from from having a meaningful connection with someone? Um, but mobile devices and social networks in particular, and there's been a lot of research on this, are designed to be addictive. Uh, the I, I cited a couple studies about uh, Harvard and NIH studies that show links between increased smartphone usage and increased levels of anxiety and depression. That connection, I think, has been pretty well documented and talked about in the news a lot You know, in the last five, six years. Um, there was a Harvard study that showed that that social stimuli uh, through devices like uh, getting a message or a notification or a like has an effect on your brain that's similar but not as intense as cocaine. And so it can create this this addictive draw. Um, Sherry Turkle, the woman I quoted from a lot in the in, in the talk, she t- says that she's a psychologist. She said our neurochemical response to every ping and ringtone seems to be the one elicited by a deep motivation of the human psyche. Connectivity becomes a craving. When we receive a text or an email, our nervous system responds by giving us a shot of dopamine. We're stimulated by connectivity itself. We learn to require it even as it depletes us. A new generation already suspects this is the case. And then she quotes from the 16 year old saying, Technology is bad because people are not as strong as its pull. Hmm. So, so I think uh, you know clear link between anxiety, you know, increased usage and, and anxiety and depression. Um, I think anecdotally we can see the impact that it has around us. If we, you know, we all probably have a friend or a relative who just is sucked in their phone all the time, um, and it's discouraging to be can, can be discouraging to be around them, um, and. Uh, and, and it has this addictive property, uh, that, that, you know, keeps you, keeps you sort of drawn in. Uh, so I, I mean, I think all of us probably have felt this, right? This isn't, this isn't, um, you know, I, I, I know times when I've gotten sucked into like a mobile game or like what, like, uh, like I play a lot of online chess. Okay. So that's the thing. Are you good? I'm, I'm medium good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, but, but there's nothing that injects dopamine into my brain like playing a one minute game of chess online like that will get your your brain just raging Mm. um with with engagement if if i'm tired or bored or stressed or something like that Mm -hmm. but but is that where i should be going when i'm tired or bored or stressed um you know it so yeah go ahead well that's a good transition to kind of what i wanted to address which is are there any ways that the scriptures speak into um, this pull that we feel, I think, you know, the, the, even the world is sounding some alarm bells about in in the ways that you have helpfully uh, brought to our attention. Um, but is there, is there any way that God's word speaks into, uh, these things, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously when scriptures were written, people weren't dealing with this particular challenge and opportunity. 
how should we think about this, particularly as Christians? And yeah, or so, what would be some scriptures that you would go to? Sure. So in the class, there were there were two cautions. One was about opening us up to temptation just individually. The other was the effect it has on community. So, mm. but when it comes to the individual piece, uh, the piece that's relevant in scripture, I think, is is scripture. You know, God's call in scripture to not be enslaved to anything. Uh, we think about. Uh, in in Titus chapter two about the grace of God as a peer that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. Uh, and then in, in 1 Corinthians six about, uh, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Hmm. Um, I definitely think, you know, technology, uh, if we let it shape us, uh, if we sort of let it shape us as it was designed in some cases or, or as it would, uh, it has a mastering effect. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's something I think, you know, we're that that Christians uh, should be conscious of, I guess, when we think about our, you know, usage of screen time, usage of social media. Um, one thing I talked about uh, briefly was was about social media platforms designed to like maximize engagement. And one thing they found is that you, you're most engaged with content that's divisive or false. Um, and so uh, there, there's been, you know, the, as documentaries like the social uh, social network or social experiment, I forget, there's a Netflix documentary that focuses on this. Uh, Facebook's own internal memos uh, said, I'm quoting here, our algorithms exploit the human brain's attraction to divisiveness in an effort to gain user attention and increase time on the platform. So the strategy is promoting divisiveness to increase engagement. Um, and yet we're as Christians called to exhibit the fruit of the spirit, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And so, uh, there's this, there's this engineered pull on the part of social networks to, to draw us into things that are meant to stir up things that are the opposite of the fruit of the spirit. Um, so something, something I think we should be really cautious about. The second warning uh, was about the impact of, of digital community on, uh, or you know, the impact of, of social networks and mobile devices on how we have community, and mm -hmm. so the the scripture. I'll talk about the scriptural piece here uh, uh, first, and then go into some of the science. But but uh, if we look at scripture, God created us to live an embodied community. So it, in Genesis. Uh, it talks about how they Adam and Eve were with, with God um, day to day in the garden. He walked with them in the garden, and that Adam and Eve obviously were you know had community, they were face to face, and that when they were kicked out of the garden after the fall, it was the result of sin. So they lost that sort of face to face uh, connection with God through the fall, and uh, and it was Jesus though who who by taking on a body of flesh himself came to restore that face-to-face -face connection uh, between between God and his people. And that's the hope that we have, um, you know, one day is that we will see God face-to-face. -face. And so there is something important about face-to-face -face, uh, embodied community. And that that that's both between us and God. And that's what we're built for eternally, but also in the church. Uh, and so, so I think how does, so, okay, so how does social media and, uh, and, and mobile devices affect that. I'm glad you asked, Dan. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that that uh, I, I asked folks was a couple of questions to help illustrate um, 
that social networks and technology are forming new habits in us in terms of how we relate. So one of the things I asked was like, where do you go to first when you're stressed? And I know for me, I mentioned this a minute ago, I often go to like online chess games, <laughs> rapid chess games. Um, but God hasn't designed us to just numb away discomfort, uh, you know, through distraction. And so uh, we, uh, psychologists have found there's a, there's a high correlation between people who handle emotional distress well and those who are emotionally attuned with somebody who handles stress better than they do. So in other words, if I'm, uh, I, I will be someone who handles emotional distress well if I'm emotionally connected with somebody who handles emotional distress better than I do. And this starts when we're infants because um, they've, they've found if, if, if a baby's crying, a mother's heart rate will spike and the mother will come over and like get the kid and they measure their heart rates and their heart rates will be elevated together and then they'll come down together. That as the mother soothes the baby, their heart, their heart rates actually... They calm, they calm down together and the heart rates go down at the same time. But have they done studies if the mother were to text the child saying <laughs> like a, a, a funny emoji or well, a yeah, GIF? That, and that was, the, no, not that. But the, but there, the point of the study was if the mom learns to freak out or when the kid freaks out, then the kid learns this is that that's like the right reaction as opposed to something where there's like a soothing and calming and the heart rates are coming down. So the point, the point being that, um, we're, we God has designed our bodies to handle distress and discomfort, even from a young age, in face-to-face -face community with one another in a, in a way that supports one another. Um, so what you're saying is a the like how we think about a theology of the body should affect like how we use like our phones. Mm -hmm. We like we need to have a framework of of the body as God gave them to us in community like that, that yeah. should have some bearing. Yeah. Embodied community is what we were built for. That's the argument. Biblically. That's the argument. Okay. And, and so, so then to the extent that social, that social networks or technology take us away from embodied community or displace embodied community or, um, disrupt embodied community then yeah that can be that that can be a, a harmful thing one objection or it's not really an objection but one input i could imagine having like is i mean i even do this uh regularly just as a christian and as a pastor as i seek to encourage um brothers and sisters in christ or or friends with uh truths from god's word or an encouraging like text or email um, so I, that gets to like, can't we use technology, digital life to be obedient to the one another commands? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you think about, that's a good question. So if you think about those one another commands, right, there's, if you, if you were to list out the one another commands in scripture, uh, sort of principles or, or commands about how we're ought to live in community with one another. So things like love one another. Uh, admonish one another, care for one another, serve one another, uh, you know, be kind and compassionate to one another, consider others better than yourselves, look, you know, bear with one another, teach one another, comfort one another. Um, those are all things that you can maybe do to a degree digitally, but, um, but there's also a sense in which you can't do them, uh, perhaps as they were intended through a digital medium. So for example, you can comfort someone through a text, 
Mm -hmm. but you can't give them a hug. Mm -hmm. You can pray for somebody through a phone or, or an email, but you can't put hands on them. You, you can't, you're not, you're not there observing them um, and, and sort of participating in their life. And so one of the things that we talked about was that, you know, digital communication can be super helpful in extending face-to-face community that already exists, but it's not a substitute. Mm. Um, that God, God built us for in-person community with him and with each other. And if that's the foundation and we're using, you know, yet, like you said, encouraging texts, like that's great. That can extend and, and, um, and enhance or, or maybe allow you to have contact in between the moments where you're seeing one another, but it can't replace it. That's, that's a really helpful distinction. Um, I'm sure we could talk about, about those things quite a, a lot more about community and um, w- w- the benefits, like kind of late from your example with the mother and the child, um, how much, how obeying those one another commandments, loving someone, it, it's intended to be in person just as, as Christ drew near to us, uh, like literally God drew near to us in the person of his son. And if the main way that you're seeking to speak the truth or love one another is through text or emails, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but the person receiving them might be going from your text immediately to sports scores or playing chess and it's just kind of like a more utilitarian uh, transactional transactional relationship that's helpful and turkle talks about this sherry turkle and her book alone together she she says in a life of texting and messaging those on the contact list can be made to appear almost on demand Hmm. you can take what you need and move on Mm -hmm. and if not gratified you can try something else you can try someone else and so and, and so she talks about how digital engagement like digital communication with one another uh creates new habits right if if you're texting with someone or you're you know you're you're using a dating app and you're like going back and forth with somebody and you're Mm -hmm. unhappy with something you can totally like close the app go do something else um you wouldn't do that like in person if you were talking with someone like they said something you didn't like you wouldn't just get up and leave you know but Yet what we're finding is that that those habits that sort of started online are actually now extending into real life, right? Ghosting, yeah. as far as I know, was not a thing 50 years ago. What's ghosting? <laughs> when you uh, like this, like if you're dating on a dating app or something or you're you're you have a friend or something and you're talking with them and all of a sudden you just don't hear from them at all for weeks or something. Yeah. They just they just stop communicating with you forever. Mark, when you texted me this morning, the reason why I didn't respond for a while was because I left my phone at home. So I wasn't ghosting you. I just wanted to clear that up while you're here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so this was in a psychology journal. They write, you know, behaviors that would have been considered rude in the face to face context, like ignoring someone can become a common strategy in an online dating context because of the relative anonymity and ease provided through mediated forms of communication. So they enable easy withdrawal resulting in connections that are as easily disposed of as they are formed. Mm-hmm. So they're talking about online dating, but this can, you know, th- this, this could be true of other types of engagement. You know, you're having a text string with somebody, you get frustrated, you just kind of just stop talking. Uh, David, more generally, let's let's move to application. Um, so from all these things that we've considered, what are some things maybe even you and your family have have tried or plan to do in regards to some of these these challenges and to foster community in your family and with with the church and, you know, be aware of the, the strong pull of our devices? Yeah, I think 
you know, it's important to pray for wisdom because these aren't things we talked about in the class an ethical framework and and how there's like the rule, the situation and the motive. And and this issue, you know, leans heavily into the situation and motive aspects. In other words, mm -hmm. there's not clear scriptural principles that are going to tell us exactly what to do in these kinds of situations. So it takes wisdom. And so therefore prayer and, and just, in, you know, getting input from others is important. Um, but uh, f you know, for for our family, um, couple couple rules: no no devices at the table. Um, we have been trying to at dinner time put devices in a drawer for the rest of the evening. Um, we're still working on that habit, but um, and it's our, none of our kids have a phone yet, and so it's less of a I don't know. There's less of a need maybe to be strict about that rule now, but I'm but we're we're wanting to start that now in anticipation of later and just wanting to focus on being together face to face after dinner. Um, what else? We are you on the gram? Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. I, so I was I am not on I'm not on any social media. OK, so honestly, I was on Facebook for a really long time and I found when I got off it that my life was a lot uh, simpler, like mm -hmm. I had more just enjoyment in my life because. Mm -hmm my and it's it's interesting because my wife is still on social media and she continues to like learn things about our family through posts that they make that i'm never exposed to and so for 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 her she might have seen you know 50 things in between one time when we talk to a relative and the next you know a year span in between maybe between holidays she might have seen 50 offensive posts you know offensive to her and i would have seen none of them and so my sort of perspective on that person would, would have been informed primarily through the interactions I had, whereas maybe Anna's perspective was informed in part by, by the posts. So it's just been interesting, like seeing the difference there. Um, I don't think there's anything, you know, sinful necessarily about being on social media. I just found that, that getting off of, uh, and, and certainly some people have a calling in that area, like in their work or, um, or, or yeah, they, they use it for work or it's something that, that's, that that can be useful for, for their social life. And, um, and they can, and they find that they can do it with, with, you know, certain constraints or limits. Um, so I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but my life was a lot simpler when I got off Facebook. What, what do you think, as you think about caring for one another in the church, what is this, what do you think this is going to look like for our kids as they get older? Um, what's the end game with, uh, with digital, digital life. You know, we, we talked a little bit about the metaverse. Yeah. Um, you told us to watch ready player one. Yeah. The movie really is helpful because I think it, it, you know, science fiction, part of the purpose of it is to kind of, uh, theorize and, 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 and think about what the future might be like. Um, I think there's elements in that movie that talk that, that where the metaverse is a daily part of a lot of people's lives. And I think that it's, that there's a realistic chance that it, that the metaverse could be a daily part of people, of people's everyday lives, um, in the same way that social media is now. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, uh, you know, for the church thinking about application, prioritizing face-to-face -face fellowship on Sundays is super important. Um, I think, uh, and, and then, you know, thinking about digital discipleship, like what is, are we talking about media habits in our discipleship relationships? Are we sharing, you know, do we, do we share those things and ask about those things with one another? Um, I saw this like discipleship packet that a church somewhere else, even sort of, as I was prepping for this, it was kind of like a, a guide for people who were entering discipleship relationships. Like here are some things you can ask one another. Great. And one of them was they had all of these questions 
about digital habits and screen time and and uh, things like that. And so I just this church would, had thought about like, hey, we should really integrate this into into our the way we talk and what we talk to each other about as we disciple one another. I think too, you know, and this is maybe a, a shout out to folks who maybe have a calling in this area. But one thing we can do too is producing biblical content, right? So I don't want to suggest that we just all, all need to get off the platforms or something because mm-hmm. because it is a a sphere of social engagement and one that Christians can have an impact on. If if for example Facebook is you know or whatever the algorithms are pushing divisive content, you know we Christians can push biblical content you know, content that glorifies Christ. Um, so I think, um, you know, have, having good content that exalts Jesus rather than focusing on like critiquing or exalting other Christians, uh, or is, is something that I think can, can be one possible application. So kudos hats off disciple hints and podcast for producing good content. Well, thanks to you guys. I, uh, this has been a really helpful conversation. We've just scratched the surface. There's so many other aspects of this. I feel like we could talk about, um, but where would, what would be some next steps? Just like a, a one or two resources, uh, that you would turn to. You mentioned the Sherry Turkle book, which mm-hmm. is called alone together. Yep. She's also written a book called reclaiming conversation, which is uh, a good book as well. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you would point to or places to go? If people want to think about this more, can they talk to you? Sure. Will you talk. be a resource? Sure. Happy to talk to folks. Um, you know, I won't claim to be an, an expert, but try to draw, uh, trying to draw on experts, you know, in thinking through this. Um, I think that, you know, it's interesting. I went to the Gospel Coalition website and searched for Metaverse. There was one article. Hmm. So so this is, you know, we're, we're sort of on the cutting edge of just even thinking about this uh, biblically and as Christians, if if that's any indication of, of, of that, perhaps. But that article was really helpful and hmm. gave some principles about thinking about digital engagement that helped inform uh, some of this content. So, so Gospel Coalition article on Metaverse, um, but Sherry Turkle's book is uh, is really helpful because it's full of stories. It's not she's not actually it's it's a hard book to summarize because it, she's not throwing stats at you or making you know uh, syllogistic arguments. She's she's telling stories and trying to draw conclusions about. Uh, the impact of, of technology in our lives and, and how we how we relate. So it's helpful. That's great. Well, this has been a helpful conversation and I found the class helpful uh, as well as every, I'm sure people who were able to go. Uh, David, thank you for, for teaching the class. Thanks for having this conversation today. Yeah. Thanks, Dan.